talked about breaking through the veil the last couple weeks. We've established and we know that mankind is veiled by our sinful flesh. It happened in the Garden of Eden. I, I wish I could tell you today that I had just like one passage of Scripture that I'm just going to expound upon. I don't. So, I have Scripture. I just don't think I'm preaching without the Word. I would never do that. I'm going to look at a lot of passages today. So it's just going to kind of be a conversation between you and me. Is that all right? We just have a conversation today. Only I'm going to do all the talking. You can say amen or yes or whatever. Don't say no because that just looks bad. But We talked about how mankind was veiled because of sin. We talked last week how that veil is removed in Christ Jesus. We talked about how the fact... The matter is, in Hebrews 10, it says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin. Thou hast had no pleasure, church. It's only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we can have that veil of sin removed from our life. Amen? It's only then that we can begin to look beyond the natural the things that consume us. It's only then that we begin to have our eyes open. But this morning, I want us to focus on not just Jesus Christ, but the Spirit's role in our eyes being opened. Satan lied to us and said to Eve, you know, if you eat the fruit, your eyes will be open. And the fact of the matter was that she was blinded. Her eyes became open to flesh. They indulged in sin. In Jesus Christ, our eyes are open. We close our eyes to Him a lot of times. But we can't just have God the Father and God the Son. There's a Holy Trinity. And the tendency is this, that we would accept God the Father, we accept God the Son, but the Holy Spirit, that's a little freaky. I don't know if I want anything to do with that. You can't put God in a box. You can't put Jesus Christ in the box. A lot of people like to say, okay, I'll accept Jesus as a prophet or a teacher, but I won't accept Him as a Son of God. What you've done is you've, you've limited the effectiveness that He can have on your life. Amen? Amen? The same for the Holy Spirit. I told you a while back I sat in a church service where a gentleman got up and said that the Holy Spirit is not active today. Titus 3 says this, not by works of righteousness which... We have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. My point is very simple, church. If the Holy Spirit is not active today, you and I are hopeless. You and I are not saved if the Holy Spirit is not active today. In this eye-opening process, we see the Trinity working together, even in this passage of Scripture. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, because we have our righteousnesses as filthy rags, amen? But according to His mercy, He saved us. Who saved us? He saved us. God the Father saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Part of the Trinity, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ. Our Savior, through His sacrifice, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Heirs of what? Eternal life according to the hope that Jesus Christ has given us, a gift from the Father. It all works together, church. 
This tendency is, is that the Holy Spirit, we place Him in a box and say He only does this or He does that. Some will accept the fact that He is a part of the triune Godhead, but they don't look at the fact that He is active and moving today. This morning, these are the things I want to look at. If you turn back to Genesis 3.21... Not only as we talked about they were veiled in the garden, there was also a promise for a redeemer in the garden. Genesis 3.21 says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothed them. Now, this clothing, this covering, represents a physical covering that they could understand for their spiritual condition. Sin is a spiritual condition. It cannot be met in the flesh. Amen? You cannot deal with sin in the flesh. It cannot be washed away in the flesh. But God, out of grace and mercy, gave him a covering to let them see, out of my mercy for you, I'm going to cover you. He shed the blood. He covered them. Gave him a promise for a redeemer. And then out of his great mercy, he cast them out of the Garden of Eden, the garden of the presence of God. And he said, I'm out of my mercy for you. I'm going to put you out here because you can't come in here and eat from the tree of life and live eternally like this. If you eat from the tree of life and this flesh becomes eternal, sin will not be completely destroyed. I'm going to cast you out. So he cast them out. And at the east end of the garden, as it says there in the scripture, he placed cherubim with flaming swords standing there, guarding the garden and the tree of life. Separation. Separation from the presence of God. Mankind, up to this point, had walked with God. Adam, up to this point, had seen the face of our Lord and Savior in the garden. The manifest presence of God in the flesh. It was a familiar thing. It was a common thing. It was something that he saw every day. And now he's separated from it with flaming swords. A spiritual condition that could not be fixed in the flesh. We see in the book of Exodus 26.31, you don't have to turn there, and, and uh, in 2 Chronicles 3.14, both the, temp, the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple had a veil. It covered between the two chambers inside the holy place where the priests could go and minister. There was a veil that separated them from the Shekinah glory of God inside the holiest of holies. A veil. It's described as this in 2631 of Exodus. And thou shalt make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twine linen of cunning work. With cherubims shall it be made. And then the temple itself, 2 Chronicles 3.14, And he made the veil of blue and purple and crimson and fine linen and wrought cherubims thereon. Because of our spiritual condition, God in his great mercy protected mankind from just waltzing into the presence of God and being destroyed. In the garden, he did it with angels. In the temple, in the tabernacle, he did it with a curtain with angels embroidered into it, saying, remember the Garden of Eden? <laughs> Don't come past here. I am here. You are there. This separation is important for you. If you try to go past it, you will die. You see, 
before you get too mad at God, God's holy. Amen? Amen. And God cannot coexist with sinful flesh. Something's got to give. Couldn't you imagine being a priest and going into the holy place and walking up to that curtain where the incense, the, the altar of incense was and standing there and realizing on the other side of this is the glory of God. Standing there, knowing that if I, if I was to just kind of peek through this curtain, I'd drop dead. Can you imagine being the high priest and knowing that one time every year he could go in there one time? And he had to, before he would go in, he had to, had to do all these cleansing, washing certain clothes and rituals and blood. And even then, before he could go in the room, there had to be smoke of incense in there because he still couldn't gaze upon the glory of God. And having to walk through that curtain with fear. Am I going to be accepted? Did I do everything right? Did, I, did we sacrifice the lamb correctly? Did Separation. Veil. A veil that was never intended to be there by God. It, it would happen. He knew it would happen. The veil. God said, there's a separation between you and me. And that separation is sin. That separation is more than just a curtain. The separation is more than just our flesh. The separation is because of a spiritual condition that can only be met and only be fixed by a spiritual move from God. God planned it. Jesus carried it out. And the Spirit of God puts it in action today. You may say, what's the big deal? The big deal is, is that all through, through history past up to this point, before Jesus came, the Spirit of God was active. People get confused. They say, well, the Spirit of God wasn't really active until the day of Pentecost. That's absolutely false. The Spirit of God was very active in the Old Testament. The Spirit of God was active in creation. Spirit of God was active all through all of it, all the way up to Christ. You go through the wilderness situation with the children of Israel. There's a pillar by day, cloud by day, and a pillar of fire by night. There's water from the rock. Do you think all that just happened? That all happened in moving and active work of the Holy Spirit. Do you think bread just fell from the sky just supernaturally? No matter what the History Channel tries to tell you, it's not some combining of fronts that caused weird bread to fall occasionally. No, it was the work of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was active. But he was only as active as he could be because people were covered and not cleansed. He was on people, but he was not in them. If you look through the book of Judges, if you look through the book of, well, the Old Testament, here's an example here, Numbers eleven seventeen, God was talking to Moses. He said, and I will come down and talk with thee there, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. You're going to see this reference all through the Old Testament of the Spirit upon them. 
If you look in the book of Judges, if you read about Samson or you read about Gideon and all these judges that led Israel, it said the Spirit of the Lord came upon them and they did mighty works. The Spirit of God was upon them. Church, can we grasp today that there's a difference between upon and within? No, he wasn't contained into a little box of a temple or in, in a tabernacle. He was moving. He was operating. But he was upon them. Remember Moses coming off of the mountain and he'd been in the, the presence of God and he comes down and, and the presence of God was upon his face? So much so that he had to veil himself because the people would see it and they were afraid? Separation. Spiritual condition. You may say, what, what's the big deal, Pastor Bob? What I want us to grasp today is that presence, that glory that hovered over the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies, that glory that only one priest could go in and see through a cloud of incense one time a year, that glory that all the other priests stood up against that, stood up against that curtain and thinking, Lord, I, I want so bad to see you, but I know it'll kill me. I just want to be close to you. Those people that stood there and did that, that presence is within us. <laughs> it's within us. It is within you. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, there is therefore, there's no condemnation to us. Amen? There is no separation. He is with you. Turn with me to Matthew 27 quickly. We have moved past today where Elijah and others long to be. No, I'm not preaching heresy. We have today something that others in the Bible did not have in the Old Testament. We have the Spirit of God that ripped out of a temple and is now in our hearts. Matthew 27, verse 50, Jesus, <laughs> when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city, and appeared unto many church. You remember us talking, some of you weren't here Wednesday, that's okay. Wednesday we just said briefly that if you look in Genesis chapter 1, the world was void and without form, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, waiting, waiting for God to speak. And when God spoke, boom, He said, let there be light, the Spirit of God boom, separated light from darkness. Done. Quick. Instantly. Done. Finished. There was no progressive creation. It was done. Amen. Spirit of God spoke it. God spoke it. The Spirit of God hovered and said, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Speak it. You speak it. I'm going to do it. Waiting. God spoke it. Boom. Let there be light. Everything. Separate the land from the water. Boom. Well, those mountains, Pastor Bobby, you know, it took years of... It took the Spirit of God going, ah! Mountains are run up. 
power, church. The same power that's sitting there over that, that ark. Oh, I just want to be close to it. Was inside the temple, was hovering, <laughs> waiting. Knew the plan of God, knew what was going to take place. Jesus Christ on the cross, and with a loud cry, ah! gave up the ghost, and the Spirit of God goes, bam! Ripped the curtain in half. From top to bottom, a curtain was about 60 feet by 30 feet, and some say up to about four inches thick. I don't know about the thickness part, but rips it from the top to the bottom. A spiritual work for a spiritual need. Such an explosion of power. Such an explosion of greatness that even the bodies of people in the grave go, Whoa, what just happened? They get up and walk out and say, Uncle Bill, you've been gone for three years. I know. What happened? All I heard was something went, Whoa, and I went, Hey, and I'm coming out here. What's Aunt Lulabelle doing over there? She was gone before I was. Waiting. Waiting. Moving. God spoke. The Spirit reacted. And for the first time since the Garden of Eden, the veil of sin was destroyed. Sin was cleansed. And mankind could experience and be in relationship with the presence of God. No longer separated, no longer divided, no longer do we have to stand here and go, oh, that I could just be closer to him. I push the curtain in a little bit, will you get me? No longer do we have angels embroidered before us that say, you can't go past here, you'll die. It's a new covenant, church. It's a new covenant, and it's an active covenant. It's a covenant that the Spirit of God is working in our lives on a daily basis. The Spirit that once was feared has now become our friend, has become our counselor. The presence of God that was once, once something that was feared and, and, and would cause death now brings life. <laughs> Can we grasp that? He's within you. He is within you. I'm going to go through some scriptures fairly quickly, but John 6, 56, Jesus said, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. That communion service we had last Sunday, which was great, I really enjoyed our communion service was very intimate. The juice and the bread didn't save us. It was aligning ourselves with the sacrifice that He made on the cross that saved us. Amen? It was the understanding of what that blood and that body was for us. Jesus said, if you receive that, if you receive who I am, I'm going to be in you. You're going to be in me and we're going to be in Him. Together. No longer dependent on some priest to go to a temple and make sacrifice for us. Jesus said, I'm your high priest. I made the sacrifice. I'll go take care of it. Let's have fellowship. You see, we don't, I won't go into it all today. We don't understand what it meant when Jesus told him, you know, you eat my flesh and drink my blood and people got mad and left. Remember that? 
We don't grasp that because we don't understand the Jewish people what that meant. The scripture says you are not to drink blood. You're not to eat blood. Because in the blood is the life of the animal. As the blood is the life of the sacrifice. Jesus said, you want to drink the blood of a sacrifice, drink mine because it's worth it. You want my life in you. If you want this life, you can have this life. Eat it, take it in, enjoy it, have it inside of you and be happy because it is life. It is life more abundantly and that is done for us through the Spirit of God. John 14, 16 says, And I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him. But you know, you know Him. <laughs> For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you see me because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father and ye in me and I in you. In that day, in what day? The day the Spirit of God comes to live inside of you. You're going to know it. You're going to know it. How do I know Jesus is real? Because I talk to him every day. He was talking to me when I was getting ready for this message. Just the other day, Tiffany's in the hallway painting. she came come back in to get candy because I was painting her with candy. But anyway, she come in to get candy and she looked at me. She's like, how you doing? I was like, man, I said, if I could preach this right now. She didn't know it. I was just sitting there typing away with three fingers. That's how I type. Two on the right hand because I'm right-handed. Had music on, Spirit of God just ministering to me. Church, He is within you. Amen. You don't have to come in this building. You don't have to be in a Sunday school class. You don't even have to be in your prayer closet. So I told him in the first service, I said, some of the times where the Spirit of God spoke to me the clearest is when I've been driving down the road getting ready to yell at people. And he says, stop it. <laughs> He's within me. That's right, Dusty. All I know is I just heard my name, something about Pastor Bob. I hear he's a pretty good guy. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Have we not figured out that the Spirit of God is within us? Are we cast downcast and upset and worried? And, and we go to work, it's like, oh, I hate being here because of... Listen, He is within you. You carry Him to work with you. You realize people say, well, I go to church, you know. we got to get a pastor that's fiery and going to get up there and just bring the presence of God with him. Listen, <laughs> I bring the presence of God with me, but so do you. Amen. Now, when I, was a, when I was a kid, I liked fire. And I used to melt army men in my bedroom. <laughs> and I would, I would take the army man, and I'd start a leg, and it'd be like, pew, and it would make this little pew noise when it would drip off and I had a school textbook that it would drip onto the wax <laughs> plastic and I was it was it was a free textbook it was given to me it wasn't one of my good ones so so I would melt them and, and then mom's like what is that smell I'm like, melting toy soldiers what plastic so I could make them look like they were coming through mud and stuff you know all that kind of stuff there's one thing I learned about fire. A match is cool. A little wooden match is neat. You take a whole bunch of wooden matches together, well, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
The Spirit of God is within you. You want to have the Spirit of God flow in the service. Don't come up here and look for one match to burn. Bring yours with you and let's get together and have church. You, you get tired of being the only match at your workplace, find some other matches and burn with them. I sit there last night around a fire, stood there, Brian and Michelle's house, made me some really good soup beans. Had all these giant logs, and it had burned down to where it was mostly just embers, and, and so we had to stir things up a little bit. I went and got a shovel and started moving things around, and they threw some more wood on, and after a while, we had a fire that was like, whoo. and you know what happened? More people gathered around it. Instead of four of us, there were six, and there were seven, and there were eight. Church, if you will stir up the gift that's within you, the warmth that comes from you by the Spirit of God will draw others around. Amen. It's a fire. The presence of God that is within you is something that people desire. It's no longer just on Moses' face. It's not behind a curtain in some kind of a temple somewhere. You are a carrier. You have a contagious disease. The Spirit of God is within you, and He wants to spread Himself. Not Greg, by the way. He wants to spread Himself everywhere. That was a perfectly timed sneeze, Greg. God bless you, my friend. We better move on. Romans 8, verse 9, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Church, if he can raise the dead, if God can speak the word and tell Jesus to get up, Lazarus, four days after, which was a hopeless state, up to three days they could go out and check and just make sure he wasn't sleeping really hard. It was kind of a Jewish tradition. But by the, after the three days was the fourth day. By that time they're done. Say, so he's dead. Forget it. He stinks. He's over with. But Jesus went up there and said, wait a second. Lazarus. Hovering, waiting. Hovering and waiting. The Spirit of God can explode out of a temple. And because of that explosion, cause the ground to shake, rocks to crack, and dead bodies to come out alive. If the Spirit of God is powerful enough to raise Jesus Christ to life when He was beaten beyond recognition by those who knew Him, Every ounce of blood dripped out of his body. Most of his blood dripped out of his body, laid him in a tomb. If the Spirit of God is powerful enough to raise that to life victoriously, is he that is within you able to quicken your body to holiness? If he that is within you can raise the dead, is he able to heal you? If he is able to do things for other people that we see in the scripture from the outside, is he able to be inside of you and help you to overcome your, your trials, your problems, your temptations, your situations? Yes. He is within you. 
veil has been torn, my friend. That which was once separated has now become closer than it ever had been before. Why do we take it so lightly? Why do we allow people to say that the Spirit of God is not active today? Last scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. If you want to turn there, you can. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in, my, in thy grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It's time, church, to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit that is within you. It's time to awaken our senses to the truth of God within us. Amen? It's time to open our eyes and recognize and be reminded as Timothy, I put you in remembrance, church, of the time that you wept at an altar, whether it be at a, at a camp or whether it be at this church, at a youth meeting, in your bedroom, in your living room, wherever it was you wept. I put that in remembrance to you today to stir up that gift. It's within you. It's within you. Amen? Amen? Stir it up. How do we stir up that gift? We stir up that gift by prayer. We stir up that gift by worship. We stir up that gift by being in the Word of God. We stir that gift up by, by anointed preaching. We stir that gift up by reminding ourselves of who is within us. We've got to remove the veil from our life that says everything here is comfortable, everything here is what I recognize, and begin to look inward at that Shekinah glory that is within us, that presence of God, the Holy Spirit that speaks life to us and not death. <laughs> oh, church, we can approach Him. There is no more fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We need Jesus. Jesus said, it is finished. The Spirit of God's waiting at the starting line saying, I'm ready. <laughs> give the word Lord I'm out of here and I'm going to show them I'm going to rip this curtain in half I'm going to get rid of the cherubim I'm going to show them I'm done that they're worshiping some kind of a dead religion that they need to look beyond it because I'm not in here anymore I'm going to show them Lord you just wait Jesus said ah and he goes boom he was gone and the centurion looked up and said surely this was the son of God <laughs> somebody's eyes is being opened We can approach Him now because of it. Because there's no more veil because sin has been cleansed from our lives. We don't have to approach Him in fear. We need to approach Him in reverence. Amen? Not with fear that He's going to destroy us. Church, He has plans for you like you've never dreamed. Again, preparing this, typing with three fingers in my office. My feet kicked up on my desk because that's what I do. And those of you that catch me, I don't really care. I'm comfortable 
I say that, but sometimes when I hear people come and I put my feet down. My door was shut, and I hear somebody come in the building, and I hear footsteps up the stairs. I hear him come down the hall. I hear a hand on the door that was shut. There was no question, is Pastor Bob praying? Is he studying? They grab the handle and go, and knock. At the same time, the door opens, and I see a little face peek in and say, Hi, Dad. Hey babe, what you doing? Lissy comes in, drops her stuff, walks up, sits down. What you doing, Daddy? So I'm getting ready for Sunday. What are you doing? She said, Well, Grandma dropped me off. I got to practice my piano. I said, You need to get that done. She said, Okay, I'll be back in a little bit. And and she's like, starts to shut the door. I said, No, no, no. You can you can leave it open. I said, you can leave it open, babe. She said, Okay. And she ran out. And God spoke to me by that spirit that's within me. And he says, this is how I receive you when you approach me. And he said, well, you're putting all your stuff down to tell those people on Sunday. Tell them this, Bob. Tell them that they can approach me. The door's open. There's no veil. It's been gone. It's been taken away. And by my spirit, I want to commune and fellowship with them. Put them in remembrance of it, Bob. Put them in remembrance of all they've been taught. Put them in remembrance of all that is within them in those moments that they wept, in those moments that they cried, those moments that I've cried out to them and spoke to them. Put them in remembrance of that, that I want to be in fellowship with them. I would never separate myself from my little girl. I love her. I embrace her. I have big plans for her. God loves you more than I love my daughter. Some of you haven't wept tears in years. Some of you haven't bowed before Him in years. Some of you have been so pious of your theology that you've not listened to the still small voice within you that says you need to speak with me instead of talk about me. The door's open. Why don't we come in? Man, we don't stand there outside of a curtain saying oh if only if only my dad would let me talk to you he just open up and say hey dad Abba Father hey daddy I know I'm not perfect but I sure do love you he's going to say I don't see any of your imperfections I look at you and I see my eyes I look at you and I see, I see my heart. I see everything that I've placed in you. And I want to see that blossom and grow. And because of that, you come in anytime you want to. That's my altar call to you this morning. These altars are open. Come stir up within you the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been placed in you to open your eyes to a loving Father. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when I open these up and people are welcome to come and to pray, I want you to come with them. And it's very simple just to say, God, forgive me of my sins. And I can tell you when you do that, that door is open 
there's not an angry, vengeful God on the other side. It's a God of love that says, boy, I'm so glad you came. I'm so glad you decided to show up. 